Hi, and welcome to Chai Time, the podcast. This podcast will be exploring through conversation the lives of featured guest creatives and innovators as they share the stories of what it takes to build a successful career in the creatives arts industry. It is through sharing these stories that we hope that all creatives and creators out there will be inspired and motivated to continue working towards their goals and dreams. In this episode, my guest is a very gifted Aaron Crucial Rimbui. He takes time to share with me his incredible journey through the Kenyan music industry scene. Truly an inspiring and amazing story. In this episode, we continue with part two of Aaron Rimbui's story. It's Chai Time, the podcast. Now, at that time, I was hired by Nairobi Chapel. Uh, uh, branched itself or multiplied itself into very many churches. Yeah. And so Kanji, who had been a good friend of one of the pastors, was asked to become his the, 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 music, the worship director. So he was asked if he could ask me to be the musical director. Right. So And it was a paying gig. I'm like, sure, a part-time gig? Why not? And so now I was, here I am playing with Eric. I am doing stuff with the Mavuno Church. I am doing my own stuff as a producer. Yeah. I am also in uh, Four Winds and Eric's band. Wow. So I had to make some decisions. Because mm-hmm. now I couldn't, there's only one of me. Yeah. So the first person who I told that, you know what, I can't go on was Eric. I told him, you know what, it's been almost three years. I need to move on to other stuff. It was it was a hard conversation. So I told him, you know what, let me, I can't, I can't, I, I'll be available if you, whenever, but I can't commit to full time like I've been as part of your band. And then the next one was, uh, especially after I did my records, was Four Winds, which was also a very difficult conversation because yeah. it was three years. I'd been in these bands for about three years. Yeah. And I think I was quite key inside these bands. So now mm-hmm. I'm telling them that I am out, you know. Uh, we used to do shows with Four Winds called Fast Fridays. Oh, and uh, so it was, an, and then, not only that, actually, we're, I'm like, we're crazy. At that time, I'm like, I, ca- I can't believe we're doing that. There was one day, one weekend, Eric used to have a very nice gig at clubs, Club Sound inside town every other week. But then it happens to be a Sunday, but on, a Saturday, but on Sunday, we are playing at church. So, and the entire week, you've been either playing, the Friday before, you've either been doing a Fast Friday. So, Fast Friday, you're playing. You go and rehearse for service on Saturday. Go, go, go and play Eric's gig. Eric's gig will end probably in the wee hours of the morning at around th- <laughs> two or three. Sleep for four church. hours. Yep. Go to church. <laughs> do, do two services. So that's why I was like, ah, man. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't handle the, yeah. I, I felt I was, I was breaking. You know, I was like burnout. And I think, because one day I think I felt like I was, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't couldn't do this anymore then um after i did keys of life i did my first performance in december of 2005 as a solo act and as an instrumentalist at that at alliance Frances. very nice gig and this is uh, to tell young and other upcoming musicians sometimes you have to be forced to do some things in that ad gig we had no money i ended up doing the deco myself <laughs> <laughs> looking for the instruments myself, printing the CDs. Kanji was running up and down looking for places to print the CDs. Mind you, I'm the one who's doing the gig. 
we, but the gig ended up, I was rehearsing the guys, and the, the show ended up going very well. We sold a couple, of, we sold 178 CDs wow. on the first day at, at the auditorium at Allianz. Yeah. And I think now that, now what I'm doing currently started that time. Mm-hmm. I came out as a, as a, as a performing artist. Mm-hmm. I had st- not stopped production. So I was still producing. So in 2006 and 2007, I ended up doing a lot of production. Like, like Atemi's first record, I was heavy, heavily involved in producing her. Uh, still producing for Cheesy, still producing with Helen, yeah. uh, doing a lot of stuff with Giuliani. Uh, then there's Mavuno. Uh, so I was, I was doing a lot of gospel, Christian uh, church music, but I was also, I had also my foot in the mainstream yeah. Mainstream uh, secular music, if you may call it. Uh, I know secular has, has got a negative connotation, <laughs> connotation <Yeah. laughs> but I, that's what yeah, mainstream music. Yeah. So I was, I, I was, I had my feet in both. So uh, around 2007, that's about 10 years, 10 years ago, uh, Mavuno went on a tour, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was, I, I, for about three months, so we're in the states. Uh, and I think that's when even it, I was even more, the resolve to continue as a recording artist became even more. Like even now, I don't even want to produce. So at that time, I also made the decision to now, even now, not to be calling, I'm no longer a producer. Yeah, to, focus, yeah. to focus now more on shows and playing, getting my, doing more music. I, I was coming out now as an artist myself. So... Uh, the last time I actively produced was uh, for other artists was probably ten years ago, two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Um, then two thousand eight. Now, now something happened. The scene that just changed. Something happened in 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 Nairobi. Uh, they started doing these things called urban legends mm-hmm. at at, uh, at what do you call that place? Uh, Carnival. Mm-hmm. The Carnival. So that's when I, a new crop of artists just came out. It's like there was a, a list of life. Having been there the days of Okina Kalamashaka and the older guys, Okina Mastimaira, the only places, music was restricted to bars and clubs. So, but now there's this urge for shows. And I think probably I'd say a lot of the Kijiji fraternity, we used to do these things where we'd sell CDs and go set up shop at Nakumat in Tao. We used to call them Rukaduka. Eh, we used to, Go, get equipment, set up at Nakumat in Tao. Outside there at the atrium, where people are selling, whether they listen to you or not, put up a shelf and sell your CDs. Perform there like for two hours. You're not making money out of it. The only money you make out of it is to sell the CDs. So we did that at Nakumat there. We did one at Junction. We did one at, uh, at, uh, what do you call, Prestige Plaza. At that time, time, these malls were relatively new. New. We did one, I think, at, uh, at Westgate Opened. No, I think we did one at Sarit. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of this to, and, and I think Uchumi. So, but now 2008 is when now I was like, mm-hmm. ah, now Urban Legends comes, now we've got venues. There's whole, there's this opening where we can now do shows at that mm-hmm. carnival. Guys can come and see us now doing, we're no longer background music. So myself, the villagers, um, and actually, there's a, there's a backstory for the villagers, if I may do an aside. Yeah, yeah. Kanji, when he came back in 2005, when we were starting Kijiji, he needed also to perform. So he asked me if we could uh, 
to help him set up a band. At that time, I told him, I can't play keyboards because I'm already occupied. So I know Chris Edouard, Chris Edouard can come and uh, yeah. set it up. I think he's free. He's not playing. He's not as busy. I know he's doing a lot of production, but he's looking for places to play. So we set up The Villagers. The Villagers, as you know it right now, was the band that played with Kanji. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's called The Villagers is Kijiji. Kijiji right. So, um, anyway, so now we're in 2008. There's Urban Legends that has come. Saudi Soul, actually, came and were opening up. I, I met Saudi Soul in 2000, was it 2007 or 2008. And it was Eric wedding. He asked me uh, uh, to play at his wedding. So... Right. Uh, and prior to that, I'd, I'd been, I, I did a sort of, my relationship with Eric was still ongoing, but in a different way. I was playing sessions for his, for his albums, yeah. so I was still a session musician. Um, I, I was doing a lot of session work at that time also for RK. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needed a keyboard player. Like a lot of, a lot of the piano playing, piano you hear, pianos you hear on Kidum's first three famous albums, that's yeah. me playing on there. I did a lot of stuff for for um, Dennis Gordon. <laughs> we did a lot of stuff for... I played for so many... I think it's just I've forgotten who I've played, who I've played with. Yeah. Susanna Wio. Yeah. Um, many, many, many art, gospel artists. You know, uh, Rough Tone. You know, uh, so anytime RK... Because I... That's a whole other story. <laughs> which, which can take can another, another interview. interview. <laughs> How I met RK... <laughs> Uh, but in a, in, a, in uh, shortly in, in condensed, I met RK uh, when I came back from the states. I was taking someone. I can't remember. I was taking someone. I don't know if it was Kanji. I don't know who it was. But we ended up in his studio in Moy Avenue, when he had a, only a keyboard and two speakers. <laughs> but I'd I'd been told that he he had big hits at that time. It was a big hit by by Rafton called Muikulu with Henry Mutuku. And there's, then there's another song with Henry Butuko. What was that song? Um, what is that song called? So I was like, who is this girl who's chucking some beats like this? So at that time, in terms of production, there was the Ogopa stuff, and then there was RK. So now RK, a few years later, asked me to play in his wedding. So we kept on... I kept on a relationship. So anytime he needed someone to play keyboards, I'd be the one who he'd call to play keyboards. So so as a musician, so here I am. I am a session at, I'm a session musician. I, that means I am hired to play in people's albums. I am a producer. I am a recording and uh, I'm a recording artist. That means I've recorded my own music, which I go and perform. I'm a performing artist. I'm a musical director. And then I also work in a studio as a producer. So now in 2008, I had to narrow it down to, I was like, I can't do all this because all those, all those six things are careers in themselves. So I didn't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. So I narrowed it down to, let me be the guy who just plays and records his own music. And, and so Urban Legends was good, did a couple of shows. That's now a, a whole new era of music happened. Young guys came up, and then at the end of 2008, I have the distinct honor of saying I played in Blankets and Wine 1. Wow. The very, very first Blankets and Wine I played there. It was myself and uh, Helen. I think Saudi Soul came and played. And the, I don't know if Polycarp had joined. 
So by anyway, that's a whole story for another another time. I've many stories for all. I've been there a minute, so I can give you stories. So then 2009 came, rolled on. I did my second album. The reason why I said, quote-unquote, Keys of Life is my first album, I consider it, there are many things that I would want to do again. So I don't take, it's an album, but I don't consider it my album. It's like more of a demo. Mm. Um, that's why I don't talk much about it. I still perform songs from it, but I, I was a novice. I didn't know how to record myself, so a lot of this. So it sounds, it's rough. It's not, it's not an album. But in 2009, I'd kind of improved. So I did a, an album. That one I can say is an album called Alfajiri. And uh, the shows were still going on. I uh, doing a lot of uh, carnival gigs. Then one of the best gigs happened. Project Fame came calling. Mm -hmm. Now, before that, I actually did in 2008, let me, before Project Fame comes, in 2008, um, Eric called me. Actually, no, it was Tim. Tim was, uh, I'd mm -hmm. been working with, with Eric for a long time, and I was staying with Tim. Yeah. He asked me, hey, there's this job for Tinga Tinga that has come. It's a cartoon. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to do it. We did the pilot, the, the, what do you call it, the demo. And they liked it, but so Eric has gone on the gig, but I'm not interested in writing <laughs> children. So it's like, I'm interested. So I went and met, I met uh, Eric, and I said, yeah, why not? Yeah. Let me write score for some cartoon, children's cartoon. Yeah. And so a lot of 2009, she can, my wife can tell you, yeah. a lot of the work that I was doing was writing. It was every Monday, or at least three times a week, we were writing uh, music for 52 episodes. Whoa. But it could have continued. Because now, at some time in 2009, I was asked, uh, at that time, Helen was asked to be the musical uh, director, and he was asked to suggest a band, and was, I had been doing, at that time, I was also heavily involved in Helen's music, mm -hmm. I, was, I was, he was also his musical director, so, I was, so a lot of the music he was doing at that time, I wrote. So now, he, he suggested, like, ah, I know the guys. So that's how I got into Project Fame. Um, uh, and that ended up being one, it's a very good paying gig. I was like, like your Coke studio, your co this corporate type of shows, they are gigs for paying the bills. Yeah. So if anyone asks you to either be a, <laughs> to come and play, just to be a band member, go. You'll not, it's very rare to get that type of gig, type of money at yeah. a go when you're doing your own shows. No, you can't, you don't actually, yeah, in this market, no. Those are the best paying gigs. Yeah. So now in 2009 came Project Fame, uh, which was very successful. Uh, Going into 2010, um, uh, which was personally it was a difficult year, but I, I ended up because now I needed money. I ended up doing a bit of production. I was like, okay, uh, I need to make some money. So I produced for Cheesy. I did some stuff for Atemi, I think. Um, there's this guy from Zimbabwe, what is he called? Um, Tapiwa, Taps. So I did some stuff with Kanji, uh, some gigs, some production gigs. Then Project Film came back calling. I was like, finally, at least now I can sort out my financial issues that had been. It was a, there was a dry spell in 2010 due to some associations with some musicians, if you may say. <laughs> I shall not mention names. <laughs> But it cost me. 
right. and that's why I usually say that um, in life sometimes you have to make the decisions you make can come back to bite you. Yeah. Which is not in my cause there's nothing it was not something wrong that I did but just a certain association. Yeah. Yeah. Messed, messed me up, you know. But at least at the end of uh, 2010, uh, I usually say that that was like a turnaround for me and more resolve project fame came back calling they gave me more responsibilities more they paid me more mm-hmm. and then one of the best decisions that i made at that time towards 2010 uh, i decided i need someone to help me with my career to manage me so i met a gentleman called david makuyu who had who i'd mentioned there was a talent competition called kipawa so he had this passion for for i think he still has for for nurturing talent and like he wanted to form an agency ish mm-hmm. and so when i met him we had a, a conversation like so and my frustration was that um we've been been at uh, carnival played there it's not doing it's not under my control but i want to do those type of gigs and like why don't you find your own gig like really i'm like but where so like why don't we try one as as uh, Trizex uh at at the junction um you may, what is it called the the movie what is it, what what do you call it um, the, the 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 theater the movie theater yeah. they wanted to create like a, a, why don't you create that as a concert hall seating uh so you can feel like you're in an auditorium um they, i think there's a corporate guys who want to pay for it i'm like sure they will make some money like yeah yeah just do your own show. It'll be you. Guys are coming to watch you and your band and your nini. You can get some singers if you want to. Let's create a show. I usually say that was all that jazz chapter one. Mm-hmm. It was in November of 2010. We had not called it all that jazz. Uh, but out of it, because of the success of that one, that's, uh, after we did that gig, we came back and I asked David McQueen, so how are we going to do this? This thing has worked. Like, no, let's call... The museum has... Um, has relaunched. Uh, they've got a very nice auditorium. Um, and the previous year, there was a. At this time, now I'd become. A, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be a jazz musician, and that's what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be an instrumental guy. Gonna be bring my bands, and we just do shows. I'd opened up for Gerald Albright. At uh, there was a, a very nice uh, do, if I may say. It was called um, Sierra Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was at the museum in 2009 and the they just refurbished the auditorium and looked very nice successful so 2010 david's like why don't we go to the museum they don't have anything that goes on and so started the wonderful journey of all that jazz and in february of uh, um 2011 um all that jazz took off and uh we had our, it was sold out. The first, actually, chapter one and chapter, and what I did with all that jazz was, okay, I am an instrumental musician, but one, other than playing my, because if I'm trying to sustain this gig, uh, so the idea was, can we do one one show at a time? Yeah. I was like, no, I can't, say, what, it's, it's, it's crazy. The turnaround time is like, no, let's do it every other month. So at least can give us like at least six weeks to prepare. Um, but then I was like, what do I, how do I make this show different? So like, why don't I invite pop singers? Your Saudi souls, your Waire. I reinterpret their music, but then ask them to come and sing. Right. 
So just to give it a variety, make it fun for the guys who are coming to watch because you don't keep these guys... Because, you know, instrumental music is still relatively unknown. It's not, it's not our culture. It's not like South Africa. So if you are asking about a high point in my life, that was a good decision that I made. That's one of the things I can say, hmm, yeah, that was, we, we, that was a good decision in uh, 2011 yeah. to, do, to do all that jazz. And then, so all that jazz started in 2011. And so um, uh, what else was I doing at that time? Uh, uh-huh, I ended up doing a, a, a lot of shows now I started traveling, getting out of the country. Mm-hmm. Did uh, the Dar es Salaam jazz event that was done by, by that out of uh, a gig, Chris Adore again. <laughs> Chris, Chris Adore and not being able to do gigs and me coming and whatever. But this one, he actually said he didn't want, he, he, he wasn't able to do the gig. Yeah. So in 2010, uh, a visiting jazz musician was being brought in by Sarakasi. And so he came and uh, he was doing a, a, a show here, two shows in Nairobi. Was it two or one? It was, it was two shows, yes. Anyway, I, yeah. I don't remember. So, so Chris calls me and says, uh, I don't think this is my type of music. He's brought in charts. I don't play jazz. Do you want to do it? I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And so this gentleman calls me the next year, which is 2011. It's like, I'm doing an event in, in Dar es Salaam. Will you come and play keyboards? Like, ah, sure. Little did I know that that, that gentleman will end up being someone very important in my life, you know. And uh, so I started touring outside. Yeah. I did my first shows as a, my maiden voyage as a, to do my own music uh, was in 2011. Uh, to do my, we played a lot of my music. Came back, continued with all that jazz. So all that just ended up being uh, my my put, putting up the shows. So I'd take four weeks, look for the artists, rehearse. So um, so we did February, we did um, we did uh, April. April was one of if there's an all that jazz that I fondly remember is April of 2011 because I got in Giuliani, I got in uh, I got and I got uh, Saudi Soul. Yeah. So I've got a very long, I've got an ongoing relationship with Saudi Soul. I have a very good relationship with them. Uh, they, they, they consider me to be one of those guys who has been with them since. Yeah. Because I, when I first heard them, I was like, these guys, watch these guys. When I, Polika, I, Polika was not even there. Uh, but then Polycap came and I was like, you know what, correct. Uh, it would free BN to do more of the singing. Because I think yeah. BN... So Saudi Soul have been, yeah, they are, watch this space. Let me say it again. Those guys are not about, their fire is, and yet, unless they themselves say they are, they are stopping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I got Saudi Soul. And so, so what ended up ha- happening is that there are two types of events in 2010, 2011 going on at that time. And that's the time now Twitter had become the in thing, even Facebook. So now everyone was on Twitter talking, you know, uh, so it was, uh, it was either blankets and wine. So it was, so guys go and watch blankets and wine, which is your open air big show, and then now guys come and do all that jazz, you know. And so, so I got a lot of uh, um, interest because it, it was like I was looking for a gig, not too many people. I'm not looking for your thousand, five thousand people. I just want at most four hundred. 
that's the maximum number I want. And that's why I chose the venue. And the venue actually sits 330. So there's one, all that jazz, where, where, where like 500 or 600 guys showed up and were sitting. <laughs> anyway, so, so that one, we did uh, 2011, we did uh, all that jazz in February. We did uh, April, we did uh, June. Then Tasca All-Stars came, another TV gig. Yeah. Um, and then we did, Huma Sekela came calling. Now, I ended up being the opening act for Huma Sekela because on my trip in Tanzania, as we're doing the shows, the shows in Tanzania, this gentleman who had been working in Kenya, Kenya like, hey, Adam, you're here. Like, oh, I'm bringing Huma Sekela in, in June. Would you want to be open? Oh, do you want to be the opening act? I was like, what do you mean? Hugh, how can you not say no? And so Hugh Masekela comes. It was a dream come true meeting this great, the great Hugh Masekela. Yeah. And so June was busy. I did all that jazz. I did Hugh Masekela and I did Tusker All-Stars. So, and then we took a break uh, for all that jazz. We're like, okay, let's take a break and regroup, come back with something... Because we, I was like, you know what, August, no, let's take a few months break. Yeah. And then also, I think I was tired. So we came back in November, did one in, in, at the museum. Then the December one was different. We had a fashion thing around it. So we got a couple of sponsors. And that's why it says, always network. Uh, you never know. And that's when my relationship with Capital, actually, when we came back, my relationship with Capital FM started then. Because now they came in as sponsors. They really liked the gig. Yeah. And they like they wanted to be associated with it. Capital FM are the guys who play who do uh, who play jazz. Mm -hmm. So they really wanted an inning onto this gig. And since then, until when I stopped, when I said that, you know what, I'm putting all that jazz on hiatus, they have always been they have always been yeah. they have been very supporting. Thank you for tuning in to Chai Time, the podcast. I hope that you are enjoying and being inspired as you continue listening to Aaron Rimbui's story. Please do look out for part three, the final conclusion of this amazing journey. Subscribe, share, and please do leave me a comment. Until then, dream, do, be. It's Chai Time, the podcast.